0: If you are listening to this podcast, please close your eyes. Even if you're driving, doesn't matter. Close your eyes where you are and visualize with me for a moment. We're going to go back to September 2007. Your car just blew up. You're in a haze and you're stumbling towards what looks like a movie theater. And it seems like that, that, that might be a good idea. And uh, you buy your ticket. You're going to go to see the one about the guy who's just trying to find his way in the world. And as the movie goes on, he's just discovering new things that changes his perspective on everything. I'm not talking about across the universe, folks. I'm talking about George Clooney's
1: Michael Clayton. Welcome to three films in a podcast, the show where destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy.
0: I guess it's not George Clooney's. George Clooney is in Michael Clayton.
1: No, this is George Um. Clooney's Michael Clayton. I don't care who directed it. (laughs) This is George
0: George Clooney's Michael Clayton. That's going to be our steel case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm Matt Weiler coming to you from the City of Trees and here ready to chat all things Michael Clayton
1: is Tyler. Uh, In Salt Lake City, Utah. Hello, everyone. And the City of Trees bit has like been one of my favorite naturally occurring bits in the podcast so far.
0: Well, there's only one, Tyler.
1: Tyler. Yeah, there's only one. There's only one that matters.
0: Well. There's one. We are the Three Films in a Podcast. We are three folks challenging each other and all of you to watch movies you've never seen before. You can find us anywhere. You can find podcasts um, on social media at Three Films Pod. And today we are joined by probably our longest friend of the pod, Justin. Justin, it's great to have you
2: back on. Glad to be back. It's been too long, man. It has been too
1: long. (laughs) You like to come on for the psychological stuff. We last talked to you off for The Shining. (laughs) there yeah. you are for Michael Clayton. Um, there you go. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, well, probably our longest standing patron, one of our longest standing supporters of the podcast. So, yeah, super appreciative and always happy to have you. I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of surprised it's only the second time. <laughs> yeah, here we are.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. Talk about Michael Clayton. Hell yeah. So we have our
0: it, it's one of our signature segments. It's the unsung gems. This is our third unsung gems round. I, I can't believe we've had three of them, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it, it, it feels like we're always having more of them. And we've even we've discussed doing just unsung gems of other people at some point going forward, just because we we we've heard so many. I know we really should yeah. see a lot of movies that we haven't seen before. Anyway, for those of you who aren't familiar with with uh, this term or this segment, unsung gems are the movies that you personally love that you feel is dramatically underrated by everyone, you know, and everyone around you. Or maybe they haven't even heard of it or seen this movie, but you just personally love it. That's that's our definition of an unsung gem. And we have a movie in Michael Clayton that actually isn't my it's it's my round or it's my it's my choice that I put up there. But I think was it Ben that sort of gave the soft nomination on this one, Tyler?
1: Yeah, I honestly don't really remember, um, but I do know he was pushing pretty hard to do this because he has like an interesting personal connection to the movie. Apparently, I don't know what scene it was, but he had to do a scene from this movie for his uh, his one of his acting classes in film school, and apparently we're and we're going to have to take his word for this. Uh, he got a standing <laughs> ovation for his performance from the teacher uh, of the class. So kudos what, to wow. Mr. Lawhorn. Wait, what, and I mean, what part was he playing? i don't know i wish, I, wish <laughs> I knew now you got great cards
2: here if you keep your clothes on you can do pretty much any goddamn thing you want you want out you're out you want to bake bread go with god there's only one wrong answer in this whole goddamn pile and you've got your arms wrapped around it. well i i said i was sorry you thought the hotel was overwhelming you keep pissing on this case and they're going to cut you off at the knees
1: I'm just going to say it was Clooney because really? Benjamin is is my Clooney. It had, um, to,
0: it had to have been the Arthur scene where he's taken
1: off his clothes in the board in the, in the boardroom. That would make me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know um, who exactly did the, the actual nominations, but um, I know Ben was super excited for this and I'm sad he's not here to record. Yeah,
0: this. I I am, too. Um Well, I was I was totally down. It wasn't like Ben had me at gunpoint or had my arm twisted behind my back and demanded that I that I choose it. But uh, it's a movie that I'd heard about for a long time. And reason being the reason why I've heard of it. And probably if you're listening, you've probably heard of it is because this movie was actually up for several Academy Awards. Did it win best picture?
1: No, um, Tilda Swinton won for best supporting or I guess would have been supporting actress. Okay. But it was, yeah, it was up for a number of different uh, Academy Awards, which I was surprised. I mean, I guess I can just jump into my uh, personal experience and thoughts right now. But because I mean, I really I really liked the movie to me. What I wrote in Letterboxd, I was like, I just it's like I give it the Brent Rambo review. Just like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's good. You know, like I didn't um, there was nothing about it. I let me rephrase that. There was a few things I didn't like, but nothing so much that it ruined it for me and there was a lot of things that i really did like and i feel like it was like i feel like it's the perfect cable movie or cable tv movie right like which you browse the
0: channels you see it on
1: you're, right. you're in a hotel a hotel room movie totally hotel room movie perfect airplane movie which is funny because <laughs> my personal experience before seeing the movie was that's like the vibe i got from it it was like a straight to tv like HBO produced movie I had no idea I didn't know it was nominated for awards or anything and it has such a boring name It's like Michael Clayton it does nothing to like <laughs> make you want to see it I'm like John Carter yeah totally it's the John Carter syndrome so uh it's a movie that I didn't know anything about I think I got it confused with another movie I don't know it just was completely under my radar a perfect nomination for unsung gem and uh, in the end, I really enjoyed it. It was like a good three-star, perfect time killer movie that is more interesting than a time killer movie. But I don't know, it just kind of like fell sort of in that range for me.
2: How about you, Justin? When did you first see this? Yeah, I was trying to think back, on the first time I saw it, I mean, I I think it was probably sometime after it came out. Um, kind of like Tyler, you know, it wasn't something that uh, I really was looking forward to, or you know, a lot of hype uh, leading up to it, but yeah. um you know, certainly like kind of the cast alone kind of demands that respect. We say, okay, mm-hmm. I got to check this out, you yeah, know,
1: totally. And,
2: uh, and I think that's why, you know, I think it is kind of a perfect unsung gem because when you look at the body of work of all these actors that are in it, this one kind of flies under the radar. You talk about George Clooney, Tilda Swinton, uh, Wilkinson. But I do remember, I remember, you know, when, a, when I first started watching it, you, you kind of buckle up for that. That first voiceover, you're like, okay, it's going to be, it's gonna be one of these yeah um but uh you know it was it was captivating it's pretty uh economical in its pace you know so uh yeah i did i did enjoy the first first viewing and i and i watched it subsequently since then but the the, i think i enjoyed it the first time I, i i watched it the most
1: yeah it's i mean it's a it's it's one of those that like You get in and it it leaves you guessing just enough to keep you like to really hook you in and invest you. It's like you're like you kind of understand what's going on. It's like, oh, it's a law firm. There's a lawsuit. It takes a while to figure out who Michael Clayton really is and what he's doing and what his relationship to the firm is. And it just gives you just enough questions that need to be answered later that it, it really does hook you in. And then the pace moves in such a way that you, you don't ever have a chance to really check out. So it's just kind of like. Granted, it is a two hour movie, but you you get in and you kind of just there's not a lot of dead space. You get in and you get out and there's a, there's enough going on without being too overwhelming. It's it's like, yeah, it's, I think the pacing, like you said, was really well done.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, it's my first time viewing and it's 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 a complete narrative. So it, it's and it's moving along properly, like. There's there's no part where you take out and you'd be like, why? Why am I watching what I'm watching? Like it's moving steadily from point A to point B, and it's not looking back and it's not wasting any time. And the story's changing as you're watching. So if if you watch the first 15 minutes and you watch, you know, the last 15 minutes, I mean, I guess the first 15 minutes is it goes into a flashback. If you watch the first 30 minutes and then watch the last 15 minutes, you're not exactly sure what happened because you need to watch the full thing yeah Um, not all movies are like that um so it does it does have that i enjoyed all of the performances i i really liked i like tilda swinton and everything that she's in yeah um it's it's pretty cool to see her in roles like this where she's playing like more of a i guess normal-ish character because people have really really banked in on how weird she can get for her roles right and it's great to see, like, I, I love every single weird role that people put her in. Like Wes Anderson does it. The Marvel movies did it with the uh, Sorcerer Supreme. Like she's great. And uh, it's, it's it's cool to see her in this. And it, it's funny, like Tyler, you mentioned how boring this movie sounds. And it's true. Like when when you hear the John Carter, you don't think of a science fiction, you know, space movie. You think of this movie where a guy works for a law firm. And it's just like, you know, doing cleanup. It's like, oh, that's that's John Carter. He's our fixer. Right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was I've heard Michael Clayton always. I'm glad to finally check this off. Um, This is totally it's it's a movie worth checking out. So if
1: if you're part of movie club, check this one out. And another thing I wanted to say, like regarding rec, if you're like if you're if you've never seen this movie and you're thinking about watching it. And you you read the description, you see who's in it. There's almost no way you're gonna be able to know what this movie's about, or what it's or what's gonna happen. Like you think you know from the district description and kind of like the people that are in it and the kind of just like the look of the of the branding and like the art design and everything. Like I thought I knew for sure what was gonna happen. I thought it would be pretty straightforward. And it it is and it isn't. But there was a lot of things that really surprised me in this movie. And there's a lot of really smart, clever things that I thought were unique and interesting. And I think maybe I'll save that for the elevator pitch. I wanted to talk about a couple of scenes, but I I was actually surprised how clever I thought this movie was in certain points. But so I just kept thinking I was like, oh, yeah, there's there's no way I would have guessed what was going to happen in this movie and what's going on here. But but at the same time, it is a pretty. Classic corporate espionage story in the end, but it's still, there was enough surprises in here to, to, to make me happy.
0: Well, that kind of brings up what I wanted to talk about next in, in our segment of what's in the Jimmy stew art. Um, thank you. Yeah. We've got to figure paying, out a we, way to, we, to we, we, we pay our writers a lot and uh, <laughs> they give us, they give us some good segment names. Um, but uh, what, what subgenre is this? Like, the it, it's like a, it's a suave guy who knows all the right things to do. It's it's very similar to like it's almost like a taken. But instead of having all the skills to like kill people with, you know, action and violence, these guys just somehow know how to get out of sticky situations for like white collar corporations. And I was just curious if like what movies, what other movies do you put put this with uh, that come to mind? Uh, that are that are similar, Justin. What do you think?
2: Dang, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it's definitely more of like a like a slow burn type thriller. You know, I think uh, it's kind of like uh, like if Taken were maybe made uh, in the seventies. Um, yeah, I don't know what uh, actually what I would compare this to or what is uh, what would be similar to this.
1: There was there was moments in here, um, and we talk about we talk about score a lot and we talk about good scores being unnoticeable. And uh, I felt like this movie completely hit that bar for me. Like the score wasn't outstanding by any means or whatever. But there was there was a moment where I was like, I finally noticed the score and I got real social network vibes. I was like, oh, Mm. this is like I would have loved to have seen what Reznor, how he would have scored this movie because it was sort of that similar like not discordant, but just like you know electronic, uh almost synthy in the background, like but ominous dark sounding score the whole time and just with the the actual tone of the movie, and I felt like the pacing was similar in the way that you know the we're telling. We, we, you know, we start in the in the present and, and jump back to tell the story, then catch back up to the present. Like I got a lot of social network vibes out of this movie. I I mean, okay. I think social networks a far better movie, but that was that was the biggest comparison I could see. And I guess as far as like the subgenre and the way it, that ties together is because, you know, it's like corporate corporate wrongdoings and people trying to cover up and people trying to outsmart each other so i guess there is a correlation there but this one definitely has more of like the clandestine espionage like backroom deals vibe to it which i'm not sure i could necessarily find a comparison in that way but um that's probably the best answer i could give
0: so i i was thinking of one and this one probably has too much like actual action in it i was thinking of the pelican brief just because that's like involving like you know a case and some some shady business trying to sweep stuff under the rug. Uh, But one that's like maybe a little more white collar and not violent is uh, all the president's men
1: Mm. with uh, Mm.
0: Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman about Watergate. And one thing I loved about this movie is some of the shots where like, you're just seeing like files and like manila folders, like stuffed in closets and just like all this paperwork that like, we just don't see stuff like that as much anymore like these New York office environments and right. also the way that how heavily they use like phone ringing for like ambient like noise and and stuff i i thought was interesting cuz and it's noteworthy because we just don't hear that as much anymore or right. maybe i'm just desensitized to the cell phone you know ring but yeah, but who uses a like ringer anymore even like the desk shaking because the phone's ringing off the hook or like the early 2000s cell
1: phone tones you know right him fumbling to plug in as Blackberry was fun. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you uh, compared this to the Pelican Brief because apparently Denzel was originally slated to play Michael Clayton, but he passed because no. this was the director, Tony Gilroy. It was his first movie that he directed. This guy wrote uh, Devil's Advocate and um, so all the Bourne movies, all that stuff. But this was the first movie that he wrote and directed. And because of that, Denzel pulled out And then Clooney wanted to bail. He was the second choice. But after meeting with the director, he decided to take the role. And then Denzel regretted it because the movie ended up being so good. So I like that there could Hmm. have been the Pelican Brief, Michael Clayton verse. (laughs) (laughs) Not only that,
0: like Denzel would have like, how many movies does he have where it's the name of
1: someone like? (laughs) Yeah, leading the league and movies (laughs) named after the character. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> John Q, Malcolm X. Maybe those are the only two. I maybe mean, we'd have Michael <laughs> Clinton. Anyway, um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. This this uh just these
1: white collar thrillers. Um one thing we usually talk about in this segment, and i I wanted to bring it up because it's just a maybe we should make a new segment called like uh, like the pet peeves segment, you know? Because there was a couple in this one that are We talked about this a lot in the in the last few episodes, because we've been dealing with a lot of flashback movies recently. And there's that Rick and Morty quote that I quoted in one of the last episodes. It's like, maybe we should just start our stories where they start instead of when they're good. (laughs) You know, because I felt like I didn't know. I don't know that we needed to do the, the whole flashback thing. I think the movie would have worked just as well starting where starting at the beginning of the story in the law firm and then working its way up to the the car exploding. It, it doesn't usually bother me that bad, but I don't know. For some reason, I was just like, I just don't think we needed it. We could have just we could have saved 20 minutes and we could have just started when the story starts. Did you guys have a problem with that at all or any other gripes that you found in the movie?
2: Well, you know, I don't think it was, uh, you know, overly contrived. I definitely see what you're saying, you know, from the yeah, from the plot standpoint, it probably could have yeah played out uh, straightforward.
1: I mean, it was uh, effective, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it hooks you into the movie for sure. And you want to know, like, oh, shit, why did this guy's car blow? up? But I don't know. (laughs) I just felt like I feel like they could have changed some stuff. And yeah, I just don't think they needed it. And another another, oh, did, I'm sorry, were you going to say something, Matt? I think I cut you off.
0: Uh, well, I, I was just going to say that I wonder if and I was, was this based on anything like is this is there source material for this? I'm not. entirely. Oh, OK.
1: Yeah, sort of. Um, apparently it was based off of a similar case, uh, but it was this was another kind of fun like meta tie in. Uh, it was based on a, a, the case of Ford and the Pinto. They were like hiding the recall numbers. You know that the line in Fight Club where he's where they say, uh, you know, if, if the cost of the recall is more than the cost of the lawsuits, then we we don't do the recall or whatever.
2: Take the number of vehicles <laughs> in the field, A, multiply it by the probable rate of failure, B, then multiply the result by the average out of court settlement, C, A times B times C equals X. If X is less than the cost of a recall, we don't do one.
0: Are there a lot of these kinds of accidents?
2: You wouldn't believe.
1: That that's there was there was an actual case that Ford was hiding. They they had figured out that the cost of the lawsuits was less than the recall, so like I ah, will just pay for the lawsuits and we're not going to recall the, <laughs> the Pinto. So I thought that was kind of cool that they made a movie and uh, based on that incident, and it was also referenced in Fight Club. So it's like this whole little like. This whole little movie meta. So Michael
0: Clayton is in the is in the Fight Club universe. That's right.
1: That's okay. right.
0: <laughs> um, no, I feel like uh, w- starting off the movie like that, it it at least leads the viewer. At, so it helped. I, f- I feel like it serves a purpose in helping it feel more like a thriller and that you're wondering as the movie progresses, who might have been the person that rigged up his car to blow up? Because it could have been the guy he owed money to. It could have been like maybe it was Arthur. Maybe it was, you know, you just don't know until, you know, the story progresses and you realize who it was. And so at least it gives you that small question in your mind throughout the rest of the movie Hmm. on why it's there. Whereas I do agree with you. A lot of times it's just, yeah, it, it serves no purpose. It's like, here's where things are now. Let's rewind and tell you how we got here. Oh, I bet
1: you're wondering how whatever. I got here, <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's not that it was terrible. I just was like, I felt like the the movie was interesting enough without it. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a small nit to pick, but it's the oh, the one the thing nits. the one thing about it that really bothered. Well, there was there was two things that really bothered me, and that that was one of them. And I I, gosh, I forgot I was gonna say you. There was something you said a minute ago, but um. Yeah, it's riveting, riveting podcast content right here. (laughs) This is why people
0: subscribe. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, so our elevator pitch round is essentially if you had one moment, if you're talking about this movie with someone in in the elevator, because we're a movie club, we want to share these movies with everybody. And you had your phone open, you had the movie up, and you had to try to convince them to watch this movie Justin, what scene are you showing them on your phone right there in the elevator to get them to watch?
2: Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? I guess, yeah, if I were trying to hook someone, I'd probably show him the the scene where he's uh, going to fix the the client that uh, hit the uh, hit the runner Mm. uh, at night. And he goes over to his house and he's trying to walk him through this and explain to him what his options are. That, I think, is a, you know, good exposition to kind of, you know, explain who George Clooney's character is, what he does, and the type of people uh, he, he deals with, and kind of uh, what they expect out of him. I don't know what Walter promised you, but I can A tell miracle you that. worker. That's Walter on the phone 20 minutes ago. Direct quote, okay? Hang tight. I'm sending you a miracle worker. Well, he misspoke. About what? About the fact that you're the firmest fixer? or that you're any good at it. Elliot. And I do think that that scene, that dialogue and that that whole uh, exchange, um, at least for me, when I was watching it, really kind of uh, hooked me. It was some pretty snappy dialogue. And uh, yeah, that would be the scene that I'd show people say, hey, this is
1: a movie worth watching here. So that was one of the clever things I thought the movie did, because when when that scene started to play out, I thought Clooney was going to be the I have all the answers guy. I thought he was going to actually fix the situation in the end he didn't really do anything he's like yeah no dude you're fucked so let's just get someone (laughs) else in you're not I'm not gonna waste my time I thought he was I was I thought and I was hoping that he was gonna be like the ultimate badass smart guy and like okay here's what we're gonna do we're gonna do this 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 and this and you got to do this and you got to take your get all your stuff and go to Mexico you know I thought it was gonna be this whole like really smart uh super spy moment where he was gonna just completely clean up the situation and i thought it was kind of cool that he was just like i got nothing for you man like i'm not a miracle worker like he he just cleaned it
0: up for his firm right like
1: he got his firm out of
0: it so like now they're not calling he's not calling his buddy anymore he's like no i came here i'm the janitor i'm mopping this up you're you're talking to this other guy
2: there's no play here there's no angle there's no champagne room i'm not a miracle worker i'm a janitor the math on this is simple. The smaller the mess, the easier it is for me to clean up. What's the police? Isn't it? No, they don't call.
1: Yeah, it's just I. I was I was excited about that because it was really the way he did it was really simple. He's just like, no, no, you're. Yeah, this is this is how it's. going And it, you know, he did have the smart guy moment with like explaining to him like why he's in trouble. But I was just expecting it to be really overstated, and it was somewhat understated mm-hmm. and and pretty realistic, and I I really liked that. It's one of the one of the clever moments that that I really liked about the the movie. I had a lot of scenes for this one, and it's kind of hard to pick. I'm gonna pick make an actual pick, but then I think I'll, we should talk about a few other scenes, assuming they don't get talked about naturally. I think I would show Arthur's. Uh, breakdown where he's recording the the commercial and then he reads his little manifesto and reads off the thing to the... Well, it was his own voicemail, right? At, at the law firm yeah. or something. Yeah, so, I, I think he called yeah. his own phone and left a voicemail or something. Would you guys like a little bit of legal advice? Never let a scientist use the
2: words unanticipated and immediate in the same sentence. Okay? Okay.
1: I thought that was really cool. I thought it was uh, the... Um, sound design of it was really cool the way they played the you know they looped the commercial in the background and you were listening you got, through the guys in the van and all that stuff you gotta
0: love the creative teams that come up with that music for those videos like totally. i remember feeling that way and get out when yeah they're showing that showing those like uh home, or not those like promotional videos or the educational videos that background music that whole vibe it's like man the creative team that does that specifically for movies is awesome
1: Totally, because it's like this throwaway thing, but they give it the same level of care as if it was a multi-billion dollar company. Because, I mean, that looked like a commercial that you would see for some biotech company. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it looked really, it was it was on brand and on point. And so I just liked that. I thought, I thought if you saw that scene, you would want to know why this guy was coming unhinged and who he was, because you wouldn't really necessarily know you know obviously in the movie it's not obvious that he's like what his character is so i thought that would be pretty cool and, and a good way to and it was like one of the cool stylistic choices that the movie makes just with the sound design and like you said the way they create that commercial and you can tell that this guy's going off the rails so yeah, i thought that was a pretty cool moment
0: yeah I, yeah I i do want to talk about a couple scenes too um uh, but my scene would probably be and it's this is weird for me cuz usually I'm the prude on the podcast, so like I don't like the more disturbing scenes. Oh,
1: I like where this is going.
0: <laughs> but this one this one was just interesting. Like I, I loved how like professional and, and cleanly those hitmen did their job. Yes. like when they're doing the when they were taking down Arthur essentially. Like, I'm so glad to bring this scene up. And they're just like completely silenced. They knew they know exactly what to do. Like they've yeah. done this a million times before. Mm-hmm. This is just a routine, like take down the guy job. And I feel like when I when I'm picking an elevator pitch scene, I like to pick a scene where I'm just like sitting there wondering, like, what the freak am I watching? Like, what (laughs) what did I just see? Right. And to me, like, that was the scene in this movie uh, that fits that criteria and also just how terrifying that idea is like to see Hitman so efficient at that and make it look like like just so perfectly like an accident or like a suicide. It's just like it strikes fear in the viewer. It's like, you have to remember like this is Hollywood. Like totally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure hitman exists, but like this makes me feel like anyone in my neighborhood could be a hitman <laughs> and do this to me tonight. You
2: know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought this scene up. It's the other scene I wanted to talk about. Well, one of, and I thought all the same things I was like, man, that's probably the most, one of the most interesting hit scenes I can remember. I don't remember a movie. You know, it's always it's usually a gun with a silencer or a knife mm-hmm. or a strangling or something like that. But this was calculated. It was clean. And I'd, I'd never no seen struggle. It before. Yeah, no struggle. And it was, I was just like it was professional and terrifying and quiet and all those things. I was like, oh, shit, they're getting away with this. For sure. Yeah. Like, these guys are pros, <laughs> man. Like, this is terrifying. Um, so, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, which, and it leads me to the other gripe I had with the movie. Because of all those things and how clean the hit was and how clever it was, I was like, there's why, ha, how did these two hmm. come up with a car bomb idea? Like, a car bomb that brings. News, it it, right. it 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 brings eyeballs to the case. Like you guys are trying to be clandestine, you're trying to. I think that's the third time I've said that word. I've, I apparently really like that We're word. We're going for four. We're going for four. I think I can get there. But it's. I, I just was like, there's no way these guys would have went with hastily assembled car bomb. Like these guys are too good for that. And it like it, to me, it, it borderline ruined it for me. That was like my biggest gripe with the movie. Besides the whole flashback thing, I was like, that's just to me, it was unrealistic. If anything, they they wait in his car or they cut his brakes or something. Or or
0: they are the horses. They're dressed up as the horses. (laughs) (laughs) He walks out to the
1: horses. (laughs) Oh, my God, I wish that was the case. That would have been incredible, but. I just was like, like well, one's the front
0: half, the other's the back half.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, I would have been on board for a car bomb if it was the typical silenced gun or strangling. You know, like, yeah, that's what they do. They they strangle you, they blow up your car, they whatever. But, like, to go from something that was, like, that clever and that well choreographed and.
0: Like, these guys, let's be honest, these guys could have killed Michael Clayton in a second. For sure. They could have killed him whenever they wanted to.
1: And that was a. They were the only two people on the street in New York that they planted the car. They could have, they could have hired someone in the card ring that the seedy little card rings he was gambling. You know what I mean? It's like there's just, I don't know. It was just too dumb well, for me. Maybe I I'm mean, making that, too big I think it. that
2: That's a really good point because you, you know, we talked about how how this movie tried to bring in a lot of realism in
1: yeah. the
2: dialogue or in the in the scenes, and I think Tyler, you hit on the head where that that one device. Is probably the most unrealistic, not only the car bomb, but the fact that, you know, he gets out, <laughs> you yeah, look at these horses, um, and then it just happens to go off. I and mean, That is, you know, like you said, it's, it's kind of not in line with yeah. all this other, you know, the professional hitmen and all the, the phone rings and how, and how they try to create a, a, a real, uh, atmosphere that, that one. Yeah. I guess, uh,
1: yeah, it doesn't so quite fit regarding him getting out of the car. I like, I like. have. I have less of an issue with that. It is very convenient. And apparently they had to go back and add some stuff in post for it to make sense why he would get out of the car. (laughs) Uh, If you remember, his son's talking about that book and Arthur reads the book and he's making all the notes in it. And when uh, Michael Clayton's thumbing through it, there's a page on there in the book is a drawing of a horse in between some trees. I don't know if you guys noticed that. And so you you briefly see it as he's looking through the book, which is the, which is why he stops because he remembers that from this book that his son's obsessed with and Arthur was apparently obsessed with, and so that's why he goes and looks at the horses. So I had I had less of a problem with that. I mean, it makes sense. Like his whole world is being flipped upside down. He knows the firm is in on stuff that he wasn't quite aware of, which is sort of surprising, giving his position in the firm and the type of work he does. But it it was. Very convenient, for sure. And like <laughs> yeah. these professional hitmen somehow lost him. I know they were having connection issues, but it was just I don't think if they lose him that they just blow it up. I just I just I know that there's an urgency because they're he's trying to stop them from or they're trying to stop him from blowing the whistle. But there was just a lot of things that kind of fell apart with that specific plot point to me that, you know, it's still a great movie, but I just thought that was yeah. silly.
0: Well, and I liked I like that you brought up the the book because I feel like the book sort of anchored another narrative that kind of, you know, rhymed with this story um, that I feel like if I spent more time, you know, we could probably have a full discussion on on that. And that's what I liked about this movie. I I think that book (laughs) sounds
1: awesome. (laughs) I,
0: I think so. Movie Club. You know, we're, we're trying to challenge each other to watch new movies, but I think movie club works its best when it feels kind of like a book club where like you can talk about the characters, you can talk about, you know, their their changes and their journey and and how that all unwinds. And it's always nice. I feel like when the storytellers um, in a movie are able to sort of get that literary feeling in there that opens up a lot of discussion. Like we're we're covering surface level Michael Clayton, on the pod basically trying to get people to watch it, going through our segments. But I think if we want to talk about Michael Clayton, the the person and the character in this movie, you know we could we could really dissect him. And I think all the cues are intertwined with that book and Arthur's experience with the book, and the son and like there's a lot of relationships in this movie that I think. We could have a lot of great discussions about and I I love that type of movie. So if that is your thing, you should check out this movie.
1: Did like that. There was a lot of B stories going along here that like none of them really get resolved. I mean, there's resolution to the 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 restaurant subplot, but not really. You know that there's still shit going on there with his brother and there's still stuff he's got to deal with to get rid of that restaurant and his gambling addiction and all that. You know, there's stuff that's just kind of like in there. And that, but that doesn't get resolved. And I like that because that is realistic. You know, people have shit going on. They're complex and he's not he's good at his job, but he's not perfect. And it's kind of he's got these like weird he's like in the middle of everything. Like he's not he's like he's not the top of anything. You know what I mean? Like he's just uh-huh. kind of the middleman everywhere. We got to see it resolve. Michael Clayton, too. Oh, that should be like if they make rounders too. that should be the plot. <laughs> is they bring in Michael Clayton. <laughs> to gamble with Worm. They, he meets Worm in prison somehow.
0: <laughs> so we kind of talked about movies uh, that were alike in this sort of subgenre of like white collar espionage stories. But uh, now, now I want to take everyone to the Adam Driver driving Theater double feature. And I want to know what movie you would pair with this movie if you're showing a back-to-back screening. I just
2: had sex I'm about to eat nachos! It's
0: the greatest moment of my life!
2: Justin, what are you pairing this with? I think, uh, I think I'm pairing this with uh, Aaron Brockovich. Oh, in, nice. for penny, in for a penny, and for a pound. You know, we'll do the legal mm-hmm. thrillers and um, love it. So before you come back here with another lame-ass offer, I want you to think real hard about what your spine is worth, Mr. Walker or what you might expect someone to pay you for your uterus, Miss Sanchez, then you take out your calculator and you multiply that number by 100. Anything less than that is a waste of our time. But I think what the, you know, it'd be, you know, too juxtaposing. Um, that's the thing with Michael Clayton. You know, there's not a really likable guy in this whole movie. It's true. Um, Arthur. And, and, Arthur's and probably the most to likable. To credit, you still kind of root for, for Clooney a little bit, but... Uh, I would uh, follow it up with Aaron Brockovich and, and show them a different take on, on a story that really focuses on trying to make these characters likable. Um, you're rooting for them. And uh, it's kind of, I mean, even the color palettes, you know, Michael Clayton's all blues and grays, and Aaron Brockovich is, is orange and, and, and brighter. And so I think that, that would be a good, uh, you know, uh, double feature there.
1: I like that. Yeah. Which one goes first? Uh, Michael Clayton. Because that I way like people
2: will leave a little happier uh, after yeah. they watch Aaron Brockovich.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. I dig that. Well, I talked about it earlier. It's the only thing I can think of. It's burned into my brain, but we're going to go social network. We're going to go just straight electronic synthy, ominous vibes for five hours. <laughs> 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 and just bad people doing bad things to each other. Doing bad things. Um, I guess Wardo's not necessarily a bad guy. So we have Wardo and we have Arthur, I think our saving graces in both of these movies. They're our little, our little beacons of light, but uh, the Zuck isn't necessarily the best dude in the world. Do you see
2: any of your code on Facebook? Sorry, could Mark. You? Did I use any of your code?
1: You stole our whole
2: goddamn idea. Fellas,
1: well, match.com for Harley Can I continue guys. with my deposition? You know, you really don't need a forensics team to get to the bottom of this. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. And uh, Michael Clayton, it's pretty ambiguous. We're not we're not sure. We think he's OK, uh, but he definitely does some seedy shit. Um, I would start with Michael Clayton only because Social Network is a better movie. And so you got to you got to save the best for last. But um, I think yeah. uh, despite the length of the runtime of this, this uh, pretend double feature, I think it'd be a good one and be the, the tones, uh, the tones match very well for me. So go on Social Network, baby.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, man, I, I, am I, still struggling with this one. Yeah, I would have to say, well, one thing. This is these are totally opposite. These are opposite movies, but I'm committing to it. One thing that uh, I the witch I I found that, yeah the, the witch,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because the woods, right? The woods at the end. <laughs> um, it this this was in 2007. But uh, we weren't far removed from the whole decade in the 90s where you saw us. You just saw single dad after single dad, you know, with it, with this kid in every, you know, family movie. And this is not a family movie, obviously. (laughs) But you still had you still had George Clooney kind of doing that sort of 90s dad role in this movie with his son. And so I'm pairing this with Liar Liar. Because Jim Carrey's at a law firm, he's got his kid, and uh, I, I'm I'm following uh, Justin's Justin's idea of showing it first and then liar liar afterwards. Yeah, just to kind of lighten the mood, go home, go home happy.
1: Yeah, that's a very like, fun one.
0: Here, here's the real world, uh, you know, shadiness of of law firms and you know billion dollar contracts. We're gonna and here's it Michael Clayton. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you want to play hardball i'm game you want to play hardball i'm game what are
1: you doing what is wrong with you all rise for the honorable judge marshall Stevens. Honorable. i love that man i uh i saw liar liar in theaters when it came out with my dad and the uh the uh the pen is blue scene just knocked me on my ass <laughs> <laughs> I still love it. Anytime I see that, I have to watch that scene. It's so good. Classic. Jim oh, I, I, it's
0: it's it's the quintessential movie. Lawyer, dad, nineties, you know, and uh, I, I just seeing George Clooney be the single lawyer dad in this movie just made me think of all those movies like the Santa Claus. Hook, I guess hook is he's not single, but just all those movies. Yeah. And uh so this one, since since we're in a firm, a law firm, we're going liar, liar. OK, I um, guess it's time to to visit the Rushmore Mountain. Let's do it.
2: These are
1: O.R. scrubs.
2: Oh, are they?
0: Today, we are lucky enough to visit the Rushmore Mountain of na- of movies with the first name in the title. So like our it. top four movies with the first name in the title
2: it's a good one there's a yet.
1: lot of i don't either i'm finishing it right now i'm going through a list <laughs> there is a lot of great movies and i'm actually kind of having some troubles i'll start with mine since i kind of have a list going here i'm gonna like i have to put ferris bueller's day off in uh, up, in memoriam for benjamin Lawhorn. it was not only was it requested by him since he couldn't be here but I genuinely think it's a great movie. I It's not my favorite as it, like it is Ben's, but it's up there for me. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's a classic um, and it's got to be it's got to be in here. Uh, so for you, Ben, it's all for you. Thank um, you, Ben. I'm going to throw Jackie Brown on there. I discovered Jackie Brown through this movie club. I don't remember if it was during. It wasn't during the podcast times, and I don't remember if it's when you were had joined yet, Matt. It wasn't uh, yet. No, but uh, Ben and I watched that a long time ago. The and uh, the genesis of this movie club um, and another <clears throat> internal podcast meme uh, is Thor. I'm on the record how much I love Thor, so I got to put my guy on my Rushmore. Just the first one uh, with all of its flaws and all of the bleached eyebrows and all that stuff. Um, it's going to go on there.
2: This drink, I like it.
0: I know, it's great, right? Another! <laughs>
1: And I'm really, really debating my fourth pick. There's a movie that is undeniably. Well, I mean, some people probably don't like it. I don't know. It's a great movie and it's certainly deserves to be on this list. I'm trying to decide if I want to do this or a movie that I would watch. Now, I'm going to do the one that I would watch right now before the other. I'm going to do Happy Gilmore. We do mm. Happy Gilmore as opposed to what I was going to say, which I'll bring up in my honorable mention. Madison. But, well, that is another one. That is another <laughs> one. But I, for whatever reason, uh, Happy Gilmore is just more rewatchable, despite how much I do like uh, my honorable mention, which I'll discuss later. So Jackie Brown, Thor, Ferris, and Happy Gilmore. It's going to round it out. Awesome. Justin, do you have yours?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, I would. Uh, you know, I know uh, Donnie Brasco. That's one of my uh, favorite movies. Um, got to go with Donnie, um, Dirty Harry, another Mm great, uh, I mean, entire franchise there. I know what you're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this
1: excitement, I've kind of lost track myself, but Ian, this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off. You've got to ask yourself
2: one question, do I feel lucky? Well, do you punk? I definitely got to go with Rocky. That's an mm-hmm. uh, all time great movie there. So, that was the um, honorable
1: mention that I was waffling between. <laughs> so, I'm glad you got it in there. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. And uh, let's see, a fourth one. I don't know. Is, is, is Scarface cheating? Is that, I mean, that's not really his uh, <laughs> name, but he's kind of the titular uh, character I'll, in that.
1: I'll allow it. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers. Let's say that's the bad guy. Allow that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the judge has spoken. Just because so, you, uh, you've yeah. been such a long-standing supporter. I, I can't say no to you.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I'd go with those guys. Yeah, no, that's great.
1: And Matt, I realize I need to make an amendment to my list. I'm bumping Jackie Brown, and I can't believe I did this. It's because it wasn't the, the name doesn't exactly match. So maybe... Maybe it doesn't count, but I got to go. I got like the big Lebowski has to be on my Rushmore. <laughs> OK, but I was initially only thinking of movies that exactly matched. But if Ben gets to have Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which does match, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it in. I don't care. Taking Duh, place of in. Jackie Brown. It's the big Lebowski. And I'm mad it's at in. myself that I didn't think of it before.
2: Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Um. I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing.
1: So We're making all sorts of concessions for this Rushmore here.
0: We, we are. And you know what? I didn't do my homework on this, so I'm, I'm positive that my Rushmore Mountain is not my actual Rushmore Mountain. Right. That was the
1: other thing. I was scrambling. Yeah, I'm,
0: I am... In a, in, a, in a heated panic, I wrote mine down, but I'm committed to it. It's 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 written. I can't change it. Those are the rules. Um, <laughs> we it's already expired. So I am going with Jerry Maguire. You know, mm-hmm. show me the money.
1: Yeah, show it to Um me. You had you had me. At, well, hello, Matt.
0: <laughs> we we already shouted this out on the pod, John Carter. For bringing <laughs> John Carter in, I love. It's not what you think, folks. I love. It's what you think, folks. List. <laughs> and you know what? While we're at it. Speaking of movies that we've covered on the pod We're throwing in Larry Crown
1: Larry Crown baby It's officially <laughs> on a Rushmore I can't believe it I can't believe it. you did it Larry Larry,
0: He, he lost, he's lost his job And now he's doing big things he's, he's on the Rushmore mountain And while Atta we've boy. pulled Tom Hanks into this We gotta go Gump
1: Lieutenant Dane I got you some ice cream I want a Lieutenant Dane Ice cream wrap it, it up with Gump. Forrest Gump I mean that was actually the very first movie that I thought of um but for whatever you know for all of the reasons I explained earlier it didn't make my list but if I'm being true to myself that was the very first thing I thought of so I'm, I'm glad it made someone's list thanks for taking that well, heat it's for me. on there
0: I, I took it, I took it. <laughs> well is there anything else we need to cover about this movie that is dying to be said about it
1: um we can tell a, an appropriate amount of love, right? Like, I thought she was really good in this. I, I thought it was fun to watch her play sort of the bad guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, And I, I don't know enough about her filmography to know if that's something that she does a lot. But I liked the type of bad guy she played. Like, she was not necessarily the most confident. We see her, like, Sweating internal profusely. struggle. Yeah, <laughs> we see her really wrestling with the things that she's doing, but also... Uh, having the guts to make the calls she needed to make. Oh, totally. Um, And I thought she did really well. I mean, she won the Oscar for it. So uh, I guess the Academy gave her all the acclaim that she needed. She she doesn't need it from from a couple of from a handful of dudes on a random podcast. But um, I did (laughs) want to shout it out. giving it
0: anyways.
1: (laughs) And I thought, uh, I forget the man's name that played Arthur. I thought he did a really good job as well. Oh, and shout out to the woman who played Anna because, you know, I have to tie an epi- every episode into New Girl somehow. And she played <laughs> Schmidt's girlfriend for a for a few episodes in season two of New Girl. And I'm a big fan. I really I really like that actress. Um, forget her name off the top of my head, but that's very on brand for me. But I was excited to see her.
2: Just anything you wanted to add? No, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think Michael Plann is, is I would highly recommend it. You know, totally. it's a great character study you know, a lot of good characters in the, in the film, it is kind of like a slow burn. It's not like uh, something that's going to get you really fired up, but it's, it's like a thinking man's film, Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And so, and I think there's a lot of merit in that to uh, take the time to watch those and, and enjoy them for what they are.
1: Totally. I think slow burn is the perfect way to put it because it is slow, but it does burn, right? Like it keeps you it keeps you from getting bored. You can't get comfortable because it's you're you're burning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're in. Yeah, you're in. So it's that's a really good description of it for sure. It's like the perfect if if someone's like, what does it mean to be a slow burn? Like, go watch Michael Clayton and you'll understand.
0: And <laughs> it is interesting because and Justin, you talked about this. Like the way that the movie starts out where he's having that he's like talking to the guy who hit the runner, like the the car blows up. What's the other thing? Uh, the The monologue that the voiceover monologue of mm-hmm. the guy's video re- or tape recording of what he's saying. Like, first of all, that monologue is great.
1: You know, like oh, I,
0: I'm I'm listening to. It, I'm like, holy crap! This is like this is one of the best like voiceover monologues I've ever heard. Like, period. And totally. uh, I I would say that those are probably my favorite. Like the the beginning of the movie is my favorite part of the movie, but that is like that's where the the match is struck and it's lit. And then like, it just burns to the end of the movie and Yeah. it, it but it, it is a burn. And just because the beginning is the best part for me, it still made everything else worth watching because I, I was bought in and I wanted to know right, how it unraveled, how it concluded, but the, it starts off so strong. Totally. And, uh, like I would, I would revisit just the first fifteen minutes again, just to hear that monologue again, because it's written so well. And like, right. like you said, that encounter in the kitchen, the the dialogue's so snappy and, and just cool. And the way George yeah. Clooney plays it is just super cool. Right. Um, so yeah, I I also would recommend this to anybody. It's not in in a good way. It's not like other movies that you've seen. Like we said, we had a hard time comparing it to a lot of other things. And so you're not going to get a lot of movies like this. So yeah, for sure, check it out. Uh, we we certainly enjoyed it, Justin. As always, thank you for joining us. It was great chatting this with you. Is there anything that uh, you'd want to promote?
2: I, I forgot to give you time
0: beforehand.
2: Oh uh, no!
1: All right. To <laughs> <Yeah, everyone laughs>
2: promote, uh, just uh, yeah, everyone go out there and watch some good movies. Totally. That's the brand that's what we're here
1: for. Yeah, that's that's the whole reason we're here. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for
0: tuning in. Uh we really enjoy having you. We enjoy the discussion. feel free to comment, let us know where we're wrong, call us out, embarrass us, just let us know let, in the comments. Let uh, us know if go you ahead.
1: live in the city of trees. Any if one of the city any trees? number of them. Any one of the number of city of any trees. Any one of, of them.
0: them? <laughs> any one of them. And I and there's a good chance that we're neighbors because yeah. I also live there. So um We're all neighbors in the cosmic sense. (laughs) In the cosmic city of trees. (laughs) Thanks as always. uh, Like and subscribe. Join our Patreon. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Bye everyone.
2: And George Clooney. You know, the seriousness and the dedication to your art. Seeing you climb into that rubber bat suit from Batman and Robin, the one with the nipples, every morning under your costume, (laughs) on the set, off the set, hanging upside down at lunch. You, rock man, thank you, thank you, thank you!